Good evening, Brother John. Good evening, Jerry. Boy, that was a little hard to get out, wasn't it? We're so used to morning. Wow, that did not go well as I <laughs> as well as I thought it would. But you know what? We got through it, didn't we? We got through it. Yeah, we sure did. Um, cold front moved in down here, John. We're down to 40 yeah. degrees Fahrenheit. Well, hey, we're, we're 36, uh, cloudy, no wind, uh, nice bike day. Nice day to be on my bicycle. I can't complain. So uh, all good. <laughs> Um, oh, man, <laughs> if Vanessa and I were to get up there, we would just plain die. We oh, just can't handle on. that weather, man. Wimps. See, man, man up, man up, come on. I know, I lived Jeez. in Iowa and everything, which is worse than Chicago even. But anyways, another topic, another day. What yes. I'm really Ooh. concerned about, I know you got the heat off in there because we don't want to have the background noise. So what on earth are you wearing? Well, I do have on the original, uh, and I do have a little bit more on than that. I have the original shirt, the original bro show shirt, but I'm afraid I'm a bit of a wimp because I do have a hoodie on, uh, on top of it, and I am wearing pants. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I am. yeah, it comes down to it sometimes you, you have to wear pants. Yeah, yeah, be- yeah I'm, wa- I'm wearing the Clark Street. Uh, rock. Okay. I should say I'm rocking the Clark Street. Okay. And... Uh, yeah, I only, I only got some blanket. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not wearing any pants. <laughs> What's new? Yeah, I value my comfort too much. Jeez. Hey, we got a good show. Okay. Hey, we solid got a guest. all the way. Hmm. Yes. We, got a, we got a guest, John. This guy <laughs> who's coming on, uh, you know, people say, you guys are really old. You know, yeah, I get old just listening to y'all. And, you know, and, and God help us if you talk about your cancers and your tubes coming out of you and, and stuff like that. We, we, need, we need to pep this show up a little bit. So here we have uh, our Geritol, uh, our tonic. <laughs> hey, we got to shake up name, the demo demographics. We got to shake them up. We got to shake it up a little bit, shake and bake. And we have with us today, Joe Michael Ramirez. Uh, and Joe is a hotshot over at Bla- Blazer Tag. Well, we, uh, we're a family entertainment center. We have a uh, laser tag, which is our uh, main attraction. Uh, top of the line, state of the art type of technology. Uh, high tech, basically hide and seek. Um, <laughs> we also, we also have, uh, uh, arcade, about 50 plus games, uh, some videos, some, you know, redemption where you can win tickets and prizes. Uh, ah, we also have yeah. a sky, we also have a sky tro, which is a, uh, a ropes course that about 12 feet off the ground, uh, hovering over the arcade. So uh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, especially yeah. for people who, who get a kick out of like being drilled and rush and all that. So, and then, uh, yeah, yeah. uh, we also have birthday yeah. parties. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, have a you, pull out, uh, well, stand and all that. You got, you got a kitchen and, and everything too. You got food there. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we have pretty much anything you can think of, uh, you know, pizza, uh, popcorn, hamburgers, hot dogs, you know, uh, what you would find at a normal concession stand, like at the movie theater or whatnot, but a little bit more better or more better quality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like I like your food stuff there. You've got great stuff. And I should disclose that I, I met Joe, Michael, uh, through my son, Joe. Joe worked uh, with Joe Michael. They're both managers there. And uh, he always said you rocked, that you were oh, the yeah. best. Oh, vice versa. <laughs> you surround yourself yeah. with good people and, and good things happen. So he's one of those good yeah. people. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, you're here also because of wrestling. Because we want to talk oh, about yeah. professional wrestling. And we, we're really geared up for this. John's been studying hard. He got himself a, a book. And he needed another book because he, what, you only had how many, John? I've got about 2,900 books, of which 2,200 are baseball. So it's about time I start you know, getting my other sports topics fleshed out with a few more books. I only have two other wrestling books. So, um, yeah, it was, I found a really good book on the history of wrestling. I don't have it in front of me. so I really can't give you a lot of detail on it, but it's a very worthwhile book, which I. Okay, cool. So, yeah. And John and I spent a good bit of time in our earlier years going to wrestling matches uh, in St. Louis. And St. Louis at that time was a kind of a center of professional wrestling. 
And so we're way behind with what's going on today. And Joe Michael, he's up on all that stuff the last 20 years or so, or 15 years, I guess. You've been going to uh, uh, wrestling matches here in the Austin, San Antonio kind of area, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Dallas uh, and Houston area. Ooh. Ooh, you get a row. Good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, especially when they have the uh, high-profile pay-per-views. Yeah, we'll, we'll travel to go to those. Wow. wow. Do your whole family go or, or anything? Or just you and uh, your buddies? It usually, yeah, usually it's me, my friend Russell. Uh, Russell, he it, he's a really good ex- expert as far as like wrestling. He he knows back in the day to current, so he he's very knowledgeable of that. And then I usually take my wife Savannah, and uh, we like to make a little road trip out of it. It's fun fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Now, now your daughter, you've got a three year old daughter, right? Yes, yes, and uh, she's she's starting to come along with the uh, with the wrestling, and you know she she has her favorites. She has her uh, uh, wrestlers that she dislikes, and she tells me right off the back, "Oh, I don't like them, Dad." I'm like, "I don't like them either." So we're 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 the same boat on that one. So, <laughs> that's really Joe Michael, cool you you, met, you mentioned Go some ahead, uh, pay-per-view uh, events. What 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 would be like a? I know wrestle. I know of like WrestleMania, but what would be a, a the title of an event that you might go to that would be called pay-per-view? Oh, uh, uh, almost a year ago, actually. Uh, they WWE had their 20th anniversary of uh, Royal Rumble, and ah, okay, uh, good. I think it was I think it was the first time they had Royal Rumble was in San Antonio, and so they, you know, came back 20th year anniversary and and uh, was in San Antonio, and that's where we went to. Great, and it was wow. it was amazing. Wow. I mean, we had well, we had well. icons like Undertaker, you know, and mm. and, and and with the. Uh, the new new uh, wrestlers that are up to date is like Brock Lesnar. You know, you had those two people. It's like Ooh. two different generations collide, which is pretty cool. Cool, in my book. <laughs> well, we're all reading from the same hymnal here. Yeah, yeah. big big fans. It's a uh, it, it, it's great entertainment. You just just can't beat it. Now, now when we, t- when we did some of our our, our walkthrough uh, last night, we were talking a little bit about. I like your approach to uh, wrestling and and how you look at it. And talk a little about that. You know, what got you interested in, what got you disenchanted at a certain period of time, and where you're going with wrestling. Yeah. um, You know, when I first got hooked on it, you know, the, you know, the appearances and the gimmicks, you know, it's what made the wrestler, like The Undertaker, you know, that, I mean, who wants to fight a guy who's like supposedly dead? And then, you know, at point, <laughs> he's got nothing to lose, you know, right? Yeah, it's nothing to lose. And, you know, everybody had their own, you know, characters and they played them really good. It didn't matter, you know, how big your muscles were or, you know, uh, how strong you were. Um, anybody, anybody could be somebody, you know, as long as you, the people, you know, comprehend what they're trying to, uh, you know, sell as far as the audience. And, um, I just liked it back in the day because the storyline was the very, very key thing, the focal point around uh, the wrestling. And yeah, you yeah, had what, your, you know, you. What time was that? What year? What year are we talking about here? Uh, we're talking about like uh, uh early nineties, early nineties. Okay. You know, you had Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan and all that, and those guys are pretty chiseled. But you know, those those guys they they kept they um helped build WWF at the time, <clears throat> and then uh. As it progressed, I feel like uh, you either had to have a lot of muscles and be the bigger guy to kind of make a name for themselves, or you had to be the very, very prettiest girl. Uh, because before then, the only women allowed in wrestling at the time uh, were, were only managers, you know, like Sensational Sherry or, or, or Miss Elizabeth. Right. You know, those were all managers. They didn't actually have wrestling uh, for, uh, for women. Wow. And then you had people like Mae Young and Fabulous Moolah, uh, who paved the way for women wrestling. Right. Uh, you know, they weren't the most, you know, uh, I, you know, attracting type of wrestlers. They made their names by, you know, the technical part about the wrestling, the wrestling part. Um, right. And right. now you have a, a division for women that is wide open and you have so much talent. 
uh, as far as women wrestlers, because women can do it just as good as the guys now. And they can put on the show, they can do the high flying moves, and you know, they're they're good too. It's not boring, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. what I like about today's generation now is you know it's more equal now. Um, there was uh, one part, probably by like maybe uh, 2004 to about like 2010, where I just wasn't interested because. Uh, to me, the storylines weren't as good, and I just had a lot of muscular guys, and it's like, you know what, uh, whatever happened to the, you know, average Joe guy, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, you know, he wasn't built or anything, but, you know, he, he was able to compete and, and be a fan favorite, and, and now, at that time, was, you know, whoever had the biggest muscles was the strongest or whatever. Yeah. Well, when I take a look at, uh, I, I really believe that the wrestling now physically speaking is is as gr- it's great i mean it it's much better than when we were watching it and i think we saw more of the of the wrestlers who had a background story had some color to them the dick the bruisers the buddy rogers and i can see now that that that's what in, piques your interest because you know you can only put, you know there's only so many moves and things you can do you've got to have a background story to make it interesting oh, yeah. you sort of have to have a david and goliath to some extent yes. And yeah, um, yeah, and that that makes and, a big difference. And you you mentioned those names, and it's and it's crazy how now that the you know these families that have a a, a, a huge uh, impact as far as wrestling, like you know the Hearts um, yes. or uh, the uh, Dusty Roads, you know, it, it's crazy because now you see their kids making a name for themselves. So it's like almost a second or third generation, and and they all have their own unique uh, personas and, 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 and trying to make a name for themselves off of their actual name that they already have. So, mm-hmm. Wow. That's also another thing to, to look at, too. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I was struck when you said this before, how your approach to these things is more artistic. It's more like gaming and video. You know, there's a character, you be, you know, and you root for a character. And now, you know, people play all these games, these combat games and stuff like that. But even more popular than the game are the videos of people playing the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of what wrestling is in a a way. It's it's like a hero, like like John said, David and Goliath fighting it out in the ring. And you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, you come there and, you know, you don't know what to expect. And maybe you... Now, are you the kind of fan who who's just there screaming and yelling or do you bring signs and stuff like that? Hey, you suck or whatever. Or... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I like to bring the signs and try to get on TV, you know, and, um, <laughs> well, I, I do, I do that on, uh, you know, TV, the uh, WWE ones where I know it's going to be on TV and yeah, I kind of like to yell things out, but when I go to the <laughs> independent shows, the, the amateur stuff, um, man, cause it's more, more personal. So you can actually yeah. talk to the guy and talk smack to him, and then and they end up turning around, talk smacking back to you, and so you kind of have this personal thing going on throughout the match. But it's all in good fun, you know. It's it, it's just yeah. great. Those, those amateur shows are pretty nice. I, I would tell us a little that, about that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh ahead, yeah. Uh, Did you have something, John? Uh, well, it's just that the I think it's uh, interesting to know that when you talk about WWE, you're talking about a stable of about 150 wrestlers both men and women that's not mm-hmm. many so as a result there needs to be a means by which they can cultivate talent and also provide a means by which other people who aspire to be wrestlers can can actually uh you know get involved and this is the way they do it by these independent promoters and it's amazing they're all over the country you can go to a city like St. Louis, there's three or four of them. I'm sure down in Austin and that area, there are, there's that many too. And that's real important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives yeah. the fans a, a chance to be close to the action, and it also gives these new wrestlers an opportunity to, to, to basically hone their skills and become good enough to be may aspire to be with WWE. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because... Uh... At this promotion, Inspire Pro Wrestling, I, I go to all the time. They have uh, a show like every other month. Uh, there was a, a female wrestler. Uh, her her name was Athena, and uh, she's really good. I mean, really, really good. I just knew it was a matter of time before you know somebody discovered her, and then you know uh, 
about maybe six months later, you know, she got signed with NXT and, and I believe now she's the NXT women's champion. So it's crazy how like mm. you can be face to face with this, you know, wrestler and then don't think of nothing much of it. And then boom, six months later, she's a big shot now and she has a contract with WWE, NXT and, and she's a champion. It's like, wow, you know, I used to pay $10 to go see her wrestle and now you know, you got to pay like a hundred dollars to go see a wrestler. So, you know, uh, well, it, it, what's like nice magic, is your ability you know? to scout and see those people and try to pick and choose which ones are going to make it. That's kind of a fun in itself to be able to try to pick the talent that you feel might make it all the way to the top. Oh yeah. And, and you know, she was a fan favorite, you know, uh, she was like on the card almost every time. And, uh, you know, it's what sells tickets. And, and ultimately right. if you have a good, have a good package and, and people uh you know you can sell it to the to the people you know you you know success is the only option then you know yeah like, yeah it's a natural outcome of the whole thing yeah well, that's cool yeah well, yeah I, I had no idea that this stuff was going on all around us here in austin i've never been to one of those smaller kind of thing i've never been to any wrestling in austin to tell you the truth or san antonio or dallas or or houston but uh it sounds pretty cool it sounds like it's a lot of fun Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can go to the next show. It's uh, January 9th, I believe. It's like on a Sunday. Put on your calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's right. <laughs> that, that's right. Right after our, uh, we're gonna do a show with uh, Dr. Yang, my urologist. We're, oh, nice. We're gonna, yeah, yeah. We're gonna. Well, the segment's a little, a little crazy, but uh, <laughs> he agreed to do it for some reason. It's called Ask a Eunuch. So. Oh, wow. oh dear. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dear. No, it's me giving uh, relationship advice because, you know, I'm neutral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? You, uh, I will take your word for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, John doesn't. Uh, John may just go on mute during that whole segment. We'll see what happens. We'll see how oh, okay. he handles it. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, I'd love to. That sounds like fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. Okay, cool. So, uh, you have any other good questions, John? You had a bunch of them, as I recall. Well, um... I guess do you kind of root? Uh, do you have your right now as you take a look at the uh, the WWE? Do you have kind of a, a favorite uh, ma uh, male wrestler and female wrestler, or uh, yeah, somebody you really look uh, forward to? Uh, there's a a wrestler that I've been following for a long time in Japan before he even got uh, known. Um, his name is Shinsuke Nakamura, and you know I he was a Japan circuit. And, you know, he, he's a really good wrestler. And the one thing that sets him apart is his entrance is, like, crazy. You know, his song comes mm -hmm. on and everybody's singing. It's almost like a little mantra chant throughout wow. the whole arena. And he, this guy's just, like, feeling himself. You know, he's in his zone, you know. And he's just got the swagger to him walking to the, uh, to the ring. And it's almost like a, you know, like a chant. And, wow. And this guy, I know him from Japan. And so when I heard he was going to sign to NXT, I was like, oh, yeah, it's just a matter of time. And so now he's actually on a, a WWE roster, uh, SmackDown. And he's my, fa he's my favorite wrestler at the moment right now. So sure. it's just good to watch him go from, a, from not necessarily nobody, but, you know, just skyrocket really quick, you know, because the guy's really good at what he does. Um, How, and that's long he the How long has he been in the States? Uh, for the past past a year and a half. Okay, good. So he he's he's still getting up there. He, he's already had a couple of title shots already, although he came up short. But I mean, that's still good though, you know, to get yeah. a title shot. Yeah, it is. That's quick. Hey, uh, let me ask you. Now we had a Japanese wrestler we used to watch back in the day, uh, Kinji Shibuya, and he would do the sumo ceremony at the beginning of every match. Does yeah. uh, does your does your guy do that? No, no, believe it or not, he's like he, he reminds me of Michael Jackson because he he like does this little dance towards the uh the ring and he's wearing Ooh. like Michael Jackson thriller type of red mm -hmm. leather, black and red leather. <laughs> and, wow, uh, he has this black and red mouthpiece, uh, you know, his hair is long but on the side of uh of his head it's it's kind of shaved, so he, he you know, wow. he, he's a really good character, like I I, I really like his character a whole lot and and the fact that my daughter 
my three-year-old daughter knows who he is, you know, um, you know, <laughs> that just means that he's doing something right. Cause he's got my daughter's attention. Sometimes my daughter doesn't pay attention for a while. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear that. Yeah. Well, she's getting old enough now where, you know, it's interesting with kids, what you do is you, if they enjoy it, you enjoy it. Oh yeah. If, yeah, yeah, if they weren't there, if you, they weren't there, it'd be a different story. Yeah. I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. And, yeah. uh, as far as like yeah. female wrestler, uh, my favorite one is Alexa Bliss right now. Uh, it's because it's my daughter's favorite. Um, she kind of mm. has a little Harley Quinn type of uh, look, you know, Ooh. pigtail, and uh, you know, she, she's a she's a little badass. So, um, but my daughter really mm. looks up to her, and so that's why I'm kind of glad that this women's division, you know, is is taking, you know, big leaps and bounds because, you know, I I I want to empower my daughter. And let her know that she can do this if she wanted to, or anything else. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. It's not necessarily guys yeah. can do it. You know, women can do it too. And and that's why I, I like watching the women matches with her. You know, we kind of get into it. I kind of talk to her about it. You know, uh, sometimes every now and then we'll she'll break out some wrestling moves on me, and you know, I try to sell her as much as I can when she throws a punch. But you know, not to oversell it. <laughs> you know, it's. it's it's a good bonding, so uh, that's why yeah, I really yeah. am grateful for the women's division because of my daughter. You know, she, yeah. she has something that we can share. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, that's very I'm sweet. A, I like I'm that. I'm afraid now. that when we were kids, we would uh, try every trying to wrestling hold on our younger brother. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, oh we God, we would. He, and know, I mean, he. Oh, Jeff really <laughs> got a lot of the iron. He got a lot of the iron claw. That was wow, the easiest the figure one. Figure four, grapevine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I give him the. I I change it up though, you know. I give him the iron claw in the stomach, but then I'd also do it on the <laughs> forehead, you know, try and freeze his brain. Yeah. Oh yeah, You're gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny story with my brother, my older brother. He would give me in the figure huh? four leg lock, and the whole Ooh. time I I didn't know that you could reverse it just by turning over. <laughs> 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 Had I known that. I, yeah. I wouldn't be putting my brother into some pain. So, yeah. Oh, you missed an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right. Oh. <laughs> That's hey. funny. That's funny. That's great. I like that. Well, I like the way you're going about this, and you, you know, you're family guy, and that's good. You're, you know, you're working it into the whole, whole thing there. I think it's a. We were talking. John and I were talking a couple of days ago. We're kind of feeling like you know what's going on right now with women is so exciting. Uh, not just wrestling, but in everything, you know, that election, you know, uh, in Alabama, it was the black women vote that really yeah. turned the tide and make things happen, you know, and you're seeing like there's 300 and, and, and like 57 uh, people uh, coming into, con uh, you know, running for Congress and, and Senate and 300 of them are women, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So there's a there's a there's a, in the Me Too movement and all this stuff. It's really turned around in the last year, and I I don't like to guess why it's happening or anything like that. But I think part of it is that so many offensive things have been said about so many different people that that people that people just had it. They're not going to sit and, and and snore through it anymore. You know, they they got up on their their hind legs and and they're saying it. They're doing it, and oh, yeah. I think it's a huge thing, huge thing uh, for okay. our children. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of breakthrough and, and huge things, um, in the Middle East, uh, WWE had a show, and you know uh, they were in an area where you know women don't have rights. Right. And for the first time ever in history, they allowed a women's wrestling match. Wow. Wow. Although they they had to alter their you know uh, attire because some of the stuff they wear you know is pretty revealing, but you know. They altered their retire uh, their attire and they ended up having a match. And at the end of the match, uh, I forgot what they were chanting, but it was in their language. They were chanting, uh, um, uh, you know, it's time for equality or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're like wherever they're at. And so, so that that's a huge step, you know. It, it may be, you know, you those know, are steps that we in the U.S. had to go through because when we were kids. There, there, you weren't, not all the states allowed women wrestling. And in fact, yeah. the state of New York 
up until far into the 60s, didn't allow it. And Fabulous Moolah, one of the pioneers of women wrestling that you've mentioned, was very instrumental oh, yeah. in getting some of these states to, uh, to, to you know, it's, it's money. The bottom line is if you get a draw like her, money's going to talk and that's going to make the difference. And before you know it, they're going to allow those women to wrestle in those states. Thanks again, Joe Michael. I'll catch you on the rebound. Wow. Wrestling. Wrestling. I think we can continue this segue right into a film. Uh, and our choice was fairly easy to make when it comes to yeah. talking about professional wrestling. Because back in 2008, a movie came out called The Wrestler. It was uh, critically acclaimed. Actually was uh, nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture, Best Actor, and also Best Supporting Actress. So this yeah. movie... Uh, got very, very good reviews, um, and it uh, was well-received. And it's got a great background, it's got a good story, and it's got very good acting. So I think it's got all the ingredients. Uh, yes, and it, it tells it tells, an, it tells a story, uh, sort of the underbelly of professional wrestling, sort of that independent wrestling that, that Joe Michael was referring to in Austin. And yes. that's what kind of uh, makes a big difference. So... Jerry, you you just saw the the movie today. Boy, I did saw I. it a couple of days ago, and uh, perhaps you can kind of get us started with a little bit about yeah. exactly what this movie is all about. It's a it's about a, a fellow, a wrestler played by Mickey Rourke, and he's uh, the Ram. That's his moniker, Randy. And Randy the Ram. Randy the Ram, and uh, he's he's on the downward arc of his career. Uh, mm -hmm. He's not getting the big tickets like he used to all the time, but he's well respected. And but he's just hanging on by a thread. You know, you see him get locked out of his trailer. Uh, his life's a little bit in shambles. Uh, well, a lot in shambles. And uh, as a character, he's visually very striking. You know, he's got a face that looks like it's been on the mat more than 300 times. Right. You know, he looks like he's been through the mill. He's got this unbelievable hair, which is really kind of cool. And I don't know that anyone could have played this part other than Mickey Rourke. I read all the stuff about this movie, and I know all the other people. Nick Cage was up for it and all this stuff. But Aronsky, the, the guy who, uh, the director, he would not do it and with anyone but our good friend Mickey Rourke and and Mickey Rourke if you don't know about his career you ought to look into that a little bit too and appreciate what he's doing here uh when he went through acting school and and did his first stuff he got reviews like you wouldn't believe and people were predicting that he would eclipse Marlon Brando and if you saw him in the diner you got a good taste of that mm -hmm. he he's got uh, striking looks, uh, particularly now in his career. You know, even now he has, you know, uh, a lot of features that are incongruent. You know, he's this big hulking guy, but he's extremely gentle with his hands. If you watch him doing things with his hands, he's, he's got a kind of, and this is signature Mickey Rourke. He can't shake it, you know, in every part he has. You just watch his hands and how he moves and stuff like that. And he's got a grace and, uh, uh it's almost artistic. You know, and he has a mesmerizing effect in, in a lot of his parts because of this. Uh, yeah, uh, Bruiser Stone he plays in in the rain in uh, Rainmaker, and that's another incredible role. He has not a big one, but he's this you know guy wanted by the law, lawyer living outside the law, but he knows more about law, case law than anybody in the United States. And he's like a genius. So he has all these incongruent things, and that's exactly the same about this. This movie, you're watching him on the downside of his, his career, struggling and all that stuff. And then, you know, but at the same time, the, the politeness, the gentleness almost that those wrestlers have when they're together and they're getting ready to perform is striking. And it's supposed to be authentic also. Uh, a lot of wrestling people did the coaching with Mickey and, and a lot of professional wrestlers were in and out of those scenes. And that's the real deal. They respect each other. They work this stuff out before what they're going to do, what they're not going to do, and all this sort of stuff. And I never heard when he was in his milieu and he was in the wrestling bubble. I never heard him swear. He was a, he, right. he was articulate. He was 
almost gentle. But then when he had to deal with the world outside of his bubble, completely different story. I I would say that, uh, yeah, a great performance by, by Mickey Rourke. I, I also felt that, uh, you know, he brought the physical nature of the, of the, of the wrestler. It, he just did an incredible job. You could see that he was well coached, but I think showing how the, the actual wrestlers beforehand, even at this lower level, were such sort of like a family in themselves, the way that they yes. treated each other with respect. And when they talked about how they were going to do things, it was done in a manner in which one wasn't trying to show up the other. The idea was, let's put on a show, let's do something that will be appreciated by our fans. Uh, and I, I really like the, the approach. And when you mentioned that uh, how realistic this is, there were uh, quite a few wrestlers that really felt very good about this movie. Uh, yeah. Real wrestlers. You know, the ones out there, yeah. the WWE guys. Yeah, well, uh, Roddy, Piper, Roddy Piper Roddy watched Piper, the movie yeah. and cried right. at yeah. the end of it. <laughs> yeah, so he was I, really moved. I think that really that goes a long way. The other thing is that um, I think when you mentioned Nick Cage, he was considered, but one <laughs> of the reasons he didn't pick up the role is because he knew the director wanted Mickey Rourke for this role. So who else could have done it? I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it was really good. Now, the thing about it is that I, I, I mentioned to, to you, Jerry, that the, that this to me is a family movie. It has, so it has family. The theme of family is in it. And it's amazing how, as we take a look and getting to the Christmas season and we feel the, how family uh, affects our lives. And some, in some ways, family affects people different than others. And what is our family can be different for various people. Some people don't have yeah. family, don't have right. a natural family. And that's what we see here is we see, in fact, this, this whole premise, this whole plot could be a businessman who's just consumed with his business. And as a result, doesn't have anything once he retires. It's, yeah. it's virtually the same story, except it's done with this great platform. Of wrestling. And yeah. so what we yeah. see here is we see a, a man who has had some difficulty with respect to having what we would call the traditional family role of being a part of with a wife and with his child. And we don't see his wife, but we see his, his grown daughter and the way yep. that they're not able to go, to get together. And it's, it's sort of like you can see that he tries, but he realizes that this effort is, is, is going to be a very difficult, if not impossible for him to do that. Yeah. Yeah, because he can't make the transition. He can't make no. the transition to being a civilian. He just can't do it. And the other you know, thing is that we, we see him try to establish a relationship with a woman who is a stripper who was a, a nominated for a supporting role, uh, Marisa Tomei, who uh, she she says, look, you're my customer, you know. And so as a result, he is trying to reach out and create something beyond the family he has with wrestling because he realizes that his career, his career as a wrestler is over with, you know, when he gets his heart, he has a heart attack. Yep. And so and he tries surgery. to reach out. He tries to reach out, but then he realizes that it's just, it's either too late. It's not going to work. Uh, and it, it's amazing. It's almost like real life in so many ways where you see some people who are confronted with issues like this and they have yeah. to then try to, work as hard as they can to be part of something so that they can, whether it be, you know, it might be the guy whose friends are down at the, at the local bar. It might be friends that they've created at work. It might be a sport yeah. event. You yeah. just never know where your family's going to be. Yeah. That's the way I yeah. kind of looked at it. I like that. That That's a really good take on it. And I was, uh, for background, I was about 40% through the movie. And it's, for me, it's a very hard movie to watch. It's, it is. It's distressing to watch what he goes through. And so John gave me a little pep talk about 40% way through it with a text message telling me just what he told y'all that, you know, this is, this is a movie about family and how he finds his family. And, and, and so, yeah. And he realizes at the end, you see, you see at the end of the movie, what he does is he ends up having a heart attack and he then has the bypass surgery. And then he's told, look, you can't wrestle anymore. And he struggles so much to try to create, uh, you know, a, a new, new relationships to have a new family. Cause we see the family he feels comfortable with, with. It's the yep. wrestlers and yep. it's his, it's his fans. Put those two yeah. together 
and that's what he feels the, that's a relationship he can he feels comfortable with so what happens is when he runs into all this these the frustration whether it be with this uh, the, the the woman the stripper with his daughter whatever he finally realizes he's got to go back he's got to go back to his family yeah and it's when he yeah. and even though you know he's not going to do well in terms of you know he's not going to be able to live through a match you see a you see a sense of content on his face yeah as he as he's going through this and yeah. that's well what does he what does he tell marissa tomei when she's trying to talk him out of going in the ring as he's walking out and what does he say to her he says you know i i, I won't get hurt in there I, I get hurt out here and he points out toward yes. her <laughs> he was he was at peace with the whole thing and the interesting thing about her character is she had a similar arc where she yeah. was a stripper and she was getting at the end of her career. She couldn't get the same tips she used to get. Right. And it was the night he was going to be wrestling in Delaware or somebody's place nearby. Yeah. And so he just said, well, come on by if you want to watch it. And that was on her mind when she was, you know, up there at the pole doing her dance and everything. And she just couldn't do it anymore. She walked out and quit and went to see him wrestle. And so she went through her thing and she just figured, Maybe he'd gone through that too, or would, if she said, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm sorry I treated you badly, you're not just a customer, you're important to me. Yeah, I'd like to pursue a relationship with you, but it was too late. Yeah, yeah you know, the point is that as much as she, you know, really reached out to him, you, you knew that this was not going to be one of these uh, hallmark endings where wrestler and stripper come together and live happily ever after. That was not going to be the end result of this. What we yep. have here is we have a, like you said, a woman who's con confronted with the same situation at yeah. the end of her career and wondering where it's going to go. And so as a result, is trying to provide him with support as he's going through the same thing, not necessarily mutually together, but, right. you know, try to help each other is what she was doing. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was real good. It was real good. It was a great movie. Uh, and a lot of good themes in it. Uh, his daughter, the, the young lady who played his daughter, was fantastic. Uh, yes, she uh, did a, a really good job. Rachel Wood, Evan Rachel Wood. She is, she yeah. is, I've seen her in some other things. I'll tell you, that woman can sing. She's a good yeah. singer. I've she's heard got, that. She's I haven't a multi, heard her sing. Yeah, she's a multi talented. Uh, she's a brainiac, too, from what I gather. Right. And she did this movie of, with, that had the Beatle music in it called Across the Universe, and she was just. The songs, the Beatles songs that she sang, she was really good. I totally recommend that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, again, th this movie got got really rave reviews. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it four stars. Said it's one of the best movies made in two thousand eight. Uh, it won the Golden Globe Award. Uh, I think for best. I think that that's where I think the picture got it. You know, the picture though, when you take a look at the Academy Award type, it's a small picture. It's not a yeah. big picture. And right. I think those kind of pictures always are behind the eight ball when it comes to trying to get the big the big prize. But right. you know, they, they uh, it was still very 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 good. Yeah, it was low uh, budget, forty days of uh, production. So you know, it, it wasn't nothing. Hey, but on the other hand, it wasn't it wasn't the big MGM kind of deal. Here's another little sidelight about it that uh, is interesting, and that is that when uh, as much as the director wanted Mickey Rourke to play the wrestler. Mickey Rourke wasn't exactly what you call an easy sell with respect to being playing the role. And, and the reason was because Mickey Rourke's background, in addition to acting, is he was a professional boxer for a while. Yeah, for about He's four years. He's kind of a quirky guy. He's a quirky guy who likes to do a lot of different things. Oh, and yeah. so as a result of his back, boxing background, he didn't have the respect because of, of with the wrestling, because the wrestling is, you know, is entertainment. Staged. It's not a competitive, yeah. it's a stage. It's not a competitive exercise. So that kind of uh, left him with a bit of skepticism as he approached it. But once he got into it and realized exactly what the whole professional wrestling scene is all about, he gathered respect for it and then was able to embrace it. And that's, I think, what made a big difference. It did make a big difference. And, and you know, I mentioned this earlier, that scene where they're all together getting ready for the, the match and, and uh, 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 the Ram has the uh, like the big match at the end of the whole thing, 
Yeah. And they're all like, they're all in a room together and they're talking, they're paired off people who are wrestling each other, talking about what they're going to do with the holds and all that stuff. And this guy says, well, and then I'll do this, some kind of a leg thing. And then a guy shouts from across the room, no, you can't do that. I'm, we're doing that over here. <laughs> say, okay, okay, we'll do something else. So in other words, you know, they, they really want to put out a quality product, not have reruns, not have repeats inside of it all. And so they're gonna they're gonna stay away from what some other wrestlers are doing, so that they can provide something new and fresh for the people watching them. And uh, I think the hardest thing for me to watch in the whole movie was I don't know the setup for this, and I really don't want to know. But he wrestled this guy who was the meekest and most polite of people in the dressing room, and addressed <laughs> the Ram as only Sir, oh. and then. When they got out into the ring, <sighs> evidently, this guy just brought a hardware store with him onto the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and a few and he, office supplies, too. <laughs> they were, oh, they sat in chairs and just had <laughs> took turns hitting each other in the, in the face with their fists. And then he got out a stapler and started stapling shit to his own forehead and then stapling things to, to the ram. Oh, yeah. And there's blood everywhere. And, and afterwards, it's, they're... Oh, they're showing, they're removing this stuff, and oh my that, god. Hey, that's what was funny about it. It's like when the Ram said, when the guy said to the Ram, now Ram, if you had staple, if you've been stapled before during matches, and he says, no, I haven't, he says, well, don't worry, the staples going aren't, aren't bad, the bad part is to take them out. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and that's the night he had his oh. heart attack, too. Yeah, dear. That was dear. that was rough. I mean, there's a lot of really rough parts to this movie. This is not a walk in the park. No, you, you've got a. You have to have a little determination to get through it. I believe it's only I, the second think, time I've seen it. Right, same here. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, I think yeah. yeah. It, it, it's it, again. It, it take it with a grain of salt. I I enjoyed it, but I think what I got out of it, it took me a while. It wasn't the first time when I realized this is a family movie. Yeah, when I thought about right. it as a family movie. It made me feel better. Well, we're about solutions. So we have solved a <laughs> thorny problem for our listeners. And that is, you want to watch a wrestling movie. This is the most gruesome you'll ever see. And we've given you a little ray of sunshine and an angle on it that will allow you to leave the thing whole. I know I did. Yeah. Well, okay. That's the main thing. All good. Well, Okay, well, let's move on to our, our last topic and our fake news. And uh, the, the fact is, this is something that's kind of been gnawing at me for, for some time. And it kind of came to a head, in a way, when this last week we had a, a uh, Amtrak train collision or train um, accident in Seattle area that resulted yeah. in three death, deaths. And, uh, and then our illustrious president... Uh, felt a need at that point to point out, well, if that wouldn't have happened if they would have put through my, uh, if we would had gotten to my agenda of the infrastructure uh, budget that I want to put and help, you know, save the infrastructure. Well, the, the, mm. the sad news was that this this disaster, this train wreck, had nothing to do with infrastructure. It was new track that had actually needed to be tested a little bit before, and it's more operator error it appears than anything. But wow. it brings back in the forefront, probably with respect to our president, the one thing I think we all kind of liked about his his agenda, and that was, I'm going to do something about the infrastructure. Right. Uh, and yeah. I think we can all embrace that because uh, the, the, and the, we the, need the it. sad news that, yeah, we need it. The sad news is that his timeline, number one, like most of his campaign promises, there's not a lot, what you call, substance behind it. And number two, He's blown every deadline he's given in order to try to make this come off. So I'm hoping that somewhere along the line, something's going to happen. But it just, you know, it's, it's amazing how things seem to be happening out there. And you, when you look at it, it whether it be um, the Hartsfield, the Atlanta airport just recently being uh, brought down to its knees because of an electrical problem, because, right. uh, you know, an old system at work. How many yep. times, how many different airlines do we have to have go down because the reservation system or something is not working, whether it be Southwest, Delta, United? It seems like it's hit practically all of them. It used to yeah. be. I, I would worry about the weather 
when it comes to making my airplane flight. My concern now is, are the systems going to be working so that the, you know, like, is the reservation system going to go screwy on me? Yeah, yeah. You know, because, Will they so, overbook and you get beat up yeah. in order to get you off the plane? <laughs> you know, I mean, only really? United would do that. Oh, wow. But my, my, my point would be that the whole, all the systems go, you know, the systems go down so that it, you've got, you know, havoc for three or four days before they completely recover. And sure enough, I can just envision that be the, the one or two days I want to try to get down to Florida and watch some baseball. And, and I don't like it when people get in the way of baseball. So well, that, that's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's a real problem for them. Yeah, if you run into them, I would say. Don't get oh, between boy. John and his baseball. But on the on the note of airlines is, uh, okay, the power goes down. Well, you know, that's – I know when, when we did uh, – I worked in airline software for about three years, developed systems for a number of entities. and But in addition to that, after that, I worked for a lot of telecoms. And, you know, the thing is, is that you have backup scenarios for everything. We even had a scenario we call – uh, smoking hole. Smoking hole is when a plane craters in the middle of your building. You, so you got to have a scenario for that. And we went the disaster recovery stuff for every possible thing that could happen, including off-site data and processing and redundant systems mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But having worked with uh, the airlines and some of the uh, systems they have, like Sabre, they had for American, uh, they were always at least 10 years behind everybody. They had mainframes when everybody else had Oracle and, and SQL-oriented uh, relational databases. Uh, and today, God knows where they are. And so this is all an industry that's very behind. When you talk about infrastructure, you're not just talking about electricity. You're not just talking about roads. We're talking about the data that keeps our country humming also and the software that runs it. That's, that's more important today than it ever was. Yet, these the airlines are, are one of the worst offenders, and of course, all right, they have they have low margins. Okay, okay, you know. Yeah. But thirty years of listening to that, I'm sorry. After a while, it sounds That's like you know record. Donald Trump's excuses, right? You know, yeah, uh, we couldn't get the infrastructure done because uh, because Mitch McConnell ate my homework, you know. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> really. Well. <laughs> uh, and the thing is that we're, we're talking now at a variety of levels. When we talk things like bridges or we talk about trains, we're talking more like at a federal level. But if we, it, what's amazing is that this, this, this is right there in your backyard. I mean, as I watch uh, here where I live in Chicago, near uh, just north of the downtown area called The Loop, I see them constantly tearing up streets and it's to change water pipe and it's more of a band-aid. It's more of a of a reactive approach than it is proactive. And right. what really hit home with me was uh, a couple months ago, Rahm, our mayor, illustrious mayor Rahm Emanuel, was commenting about the fact that our, uh, our, our, our uh, transportation system here, our light, our, uh, you know, subway, et cetera, L, yeah. is functioning better than that in New York City. And I thought, oh, come on, Rahm, let's, let's not be so boastful. Except that the New York mayor came back and said, Rom, you're right, it is. Our, our yeah. system is really screwed up. So there was an article by the New York, uh, put out uh, by New York Times uh, in the month of November that just uh, talks about the fact that, you know, we're talking here about a system that, that is, uh, came into existence in 1904. And what's amazing about the New York system, it's almost a victim, victim of its popularity. The ridership of it has gone dramatically higher as people become more dependent upon using public transportation in a, in a city like New York. I mean, you take a look at the, the ridership uh, compared to miles. I was looking at some statistics on the New York City subway. You know, it's got annual ridership of 2,700,000, while the, uh, the city of Chicago's, uh, that's two, it's actually 2,750,000,000, I apologize. Versus Chicago is about a tenth of that. Well, when you take a look at the a number of miles that we're talking about, the Chicago system is just a little less than a half. So the bottom line is that we've got an enormous amount of re ridership in a very limited capacity that's being really pushed to the limit. 
And I mean, if you've been on a New York subway, you've probably been a victim of that as you've tried to push your way onto a car. Right. Um, and so what do we, and we have a system that's old and it's, it's done the things that typically happen. Maintenance, budget. Well, let's just keep it the same as last year. Well, the bottom line is inflation is going to take a number on that after you do that after 20 years. Oh, so, yeah. And, um, and the parts you're using is, have to be custom built by your machinists because they don't yes. make them. They don't. Yeah, you've got old cars, which requires you to have these custom parts. You have old track, yep. requires you yep. to have custom parts. And the thing is, as what are they doing? Well, they're making the stations look better. Well, you know what? That yeah. doesn't help the trains move better. That Lipstick just makes on a pig. it look nice. Exactly. And that's a lot of what you're seeing. And it, and we could, and I don't want to get into the details in terms of the politics, but obviously there's a political, uh, you know, entanglement to this whole exercise too. So again, uh, we're finding that, uh, you know, when we talk about infrastructure, it's at all levels of government. And now, it's just. Let me ask you, John, you, you provoked my interest. Now, Rom was talking about their systems there, but as I understand it, Rom's approach to uh, if part of the infrastructure is not working properly, he's, he has decided recently to stop putting Band-Aids on it and just shut it down and fix it. Is that right? That's what he did, yeah. On the, and it caused a lot of, particularly when you're doing it to the south side of Chicago, we had about, in the first couple of years of his, uh, uh, of his term, he decided that the uh, the south end of the red line, which goes to the south side of Chicago, which is primarily black, was in yeah. such bad shape because we had all these slow zones, which meant that the track wasn't capable of going at the normal speed. So you have to slow it down. He decided to say, "Look, we could we could we can work on this problem for four four years or three or four years by working on it at nights and closing it down in inactive periods, or we can just bite the bullet." And say, look, we're just going to close it down for six months and just do the job right and do it quickly and do it efficiently, effectively. And that's what he decided yeah. to do. And yeah. he's uh, taken that approach with a variety of things uh, as it relates to our. And believe me, there's 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 a lot of work that still needs to be done. I am not saying that we're you know super we're any better than New York City. The good news is we don't quite have. The volume that they do, which pushes them, their their system is a twenty four seven system. Yeah. Uh, with most of their their subways, while our, our we've got just one line here, we got like eight or nine lines. While New York has got twenty four lines, we've got eight. So wow. you, I would say that probably well over half of their lines are are uh, New York lines are twenty four seven. Only one of ours, the red line, is is twenty four seven. Yeah, but the th the thing is though, one thing New York can't say that you can say. The risky business scene with uh, Rebecca De Mornay was done in Chicago, and that oh, was yeah. HOT hot, buddy. It was hot. It was probably not. It was probably done at an inactive time. We 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 can cater to the film industry because we're our system isn't running twenty four hours a day. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> there's that. But that was a, a that was an interesting scene. I mean, we've had a oh. lot of scenes like uh, my favorite Christmas movie, while you were sleeping, with yes. Sandra Bullock. It is where a, a person uh, falls on the uh, the L track, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean we uh, we can yeah. It has a coma. I, I'm kind of fascinated. Blah, blah, blah. I'm fascinated with, with with rapid transit. When I went to New York City on my honeymoon, I told Jerry that uh, one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to experience rush hour. Now my my wonderful wife had lived in New York for like two or three years, so I said, "Dear, let's get up early. Let's get up at seven o'clock and let's go downtown. Let's go down to Wall Street." And she looked at me and said, I'll see you for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, well. Oh, well. Hey. <laughs> well, it's, it's these peculiarities that, that make us and our lives and our show interesting. Now, final question, John. You may have more to say about all this, but I, I, I do hope that like, like we did with that movie that was a pretty desperate movie that people needed help and hope with. Do we have something for infrastructure? Do you have, do you have the, the, a solution or you know, I have the, the magic wand to wave over this problem. Um, uh, you know, would you it, rom it? Would you rom it? Would that be your answer? Well, I, I don't know enough about New York to, to, to know what works because it's a, I, I think it's going to be an incremental thing. Let me just tell you right now, 
The good news about New York is that they ran into the same crisis back in the 70s. Okay. Right. And what they did is the 70s when, you know, all hell was breaking loose in New York and graffiti, uh, graffiti was all over. And yep. he had, you know, and out of that came the, the, the a part of that was not only, you know, cleaning off the, the, the rail cars, but it was also improving the infrastructure. I think yes. they need to go back and take a look and see some of the things that they did back then. Uh, and, and hopefully that'll Get that go mindset. a long way. Yeah. You know, one of the things that they they haven't, you know, it isn't like they've over, they they've stretched beyond because New York City's transit system is fairly it's had very little in the way of expansion, which is probably good because yeah. at this point they need to work on what they got. They don't need to have any more to deal with. Right. Uh, what they need, I think, they need greater levels of efficiency. That means faster tracks, larger cars, more uh, more more uh, runs. Uh, of what, what of their, you know, more red yeah, lines running. I, I, I would say right now that the critical piece to this exercise is to really replace track, uh, to look at systems. Let me tell you one of the things that, um, that needs to be done. And that is, uh, BARC, for example, has a system by which you, uh, you know, you pay based upon the, the length of distance by BARC Bay Area Rapid Transit, that's San right. Francisco. Which is, uh, let's see, the fifth largest uh, transit system in the United States. BART, but what we need to do, that we need to take that a step further and we need to start pricing based upon demand. And what we need to do is put a premium on how much it costs to take the subway at five o'clock versus Ooh. taking it at three o'clock. So that you're talking surge do, pricing, Uber. Yes, I know. Surge pricing. And I mean, but the fact is that it wouldn't be based upon demand it would be pretty well structured you know you you it wouldn't be what i call elastic it wouldn't be dynamic pricing it would be okay. pricing that's set but it would okay. be based on demand and i think that will help a little bit uh in terms of a part of the problem but their their systems are so old that there's no way we couldn't even do that here you know wow. and and the, the fact is we're contemplating it on a very small scale uh trying to do some something like that because the baseball seems to get in the way of the, the rush hour traffic. So all of a sudden, you know, you get crunched. And so I think they need to think a little bit out of the box as to how they can smooth out demand while they're create, fixing some of these other problems. Um, you know, that, that, would be, that would be quite helpful. I, I think that part of the problem we talked about earlier, and that is uh, these uh, getting parts and, and all this stuff gets harder and harder. They built these tracks. When trains didn't go as fast as they can go now, and so there's more turns, there's you know there's many more problems with doing it. It seems to me that the the way to rom this problem is I would go above ground something more like monorails or gondolas. I would think would <laughs> would be more effective. In that's something you wouldn't have to shut down a line for. You could yeah you know. Um... Yeah, it's like um, one of the problems here is that New York has prided itself that uh, by the year 1950, the early 50s, all the elevated were off Manhattan. There's no, there's not an elevated track in Manhattan. Uh. It's all put underground. And I think that they felt that that's the way things have to be conducted because of just the sheer, they got enough problems on, up, up above uh, in terms of doing that. So I don't know if that would be a long term. If there might be something there, uh, I'm not real sure. Yeah. You have to understand, if you ever take a look at the system and the amount of track that's involved, there's no reason that, that you couldn't, if you, if you solve some of these other problems in, 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 with demand, that you could you know, shut down track and use a comparable track. For example, when we shut down the red line here, that didn't mean that there was a there was a line that was located eight blocks to the east of it that would take you fairly far that you could then take a shuttle bus to get someplace whatever. In other words, right. there was some parallelism, and there is yeah. some of that parallelism yeah. Yeah. that exists in the system. But the problem is that the 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 ridership they're a victim of their own success. The ridership yeah. is just pressing pressing you know to the you know as you take a look at one of the tra trains going by and if it's bowed out, there's a reason. Because there's so Whoa. many damn people in the car, uh, <laughs> it's really yeah, it's, it's hard a, to imagine, isn't it? Well, all I have to say is that 
they don't have any of these problems in Japan, and the population density is a lot higher. Yeah. In Tokyo. Uh, and they've, they've been able to work with speed, efficiency, service. I mean, the, the fact is that what, what the key word uh, that I just mentioned, and if there's one country that puts a capital S on service, it's Japan. Yeah. So what we have here is right now, for example, what's happened in New York City is that uh, 20 years ago, trains were 90% of the time running on time. Now they're down to 70%. Okay? Whoa. It, that would never happen in Japan because if there was any drop at all, they would have reacted to it immediately. With a suicide. <laughs> well, we, we we had that here too. We're uh, a yeah. metro. We have you know we have like we have also commuter trains. And one of the the president of the metro decided that uh, well he was going to get in front of a train that was going. Oh yeah! Wow! Committed suicide. Wow. So that's it's rough. Just not Japan. We've had it here too. So. Okay. All right. So yeah, <laughs> something needs to be done about all this stuff. And I don't think it's as simpler as simple as saying oh we'll we'll give this to the private sector. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's an answer. No, no. It's the thing is that the it's just too. There's too many pieces to this puzzle to try to uh, to, to work with it that way. But there's another side of it though that does say that there is a need to have a pri a private sector mindset, and let's cut yes. out some of the bureaucratic uh, layers that have created mm -hmm. the problems. And yeah, me, I agree. You know, I I read through the article, and you could point fingers at mayors, you could point it at governors. It's a state. There's the funding that goes into this comes from a variety of sources, and when that happens, is sure enough. Oh well, we can cut them this year, or we can uh, leave it the same. Uh, we'll right, deal with right. that. See, maintenance isn't. People look at maintenance at uh, it, no matter what it is. It, it, it's a it's a behind the scenes thing. It's not what you call. Yeah. It doesn't directly generate revenue, but the in the long term, it does. But yeah, nobody looks yeah. in the long term. They only do short term. Yeah, same with software. Yeah. Exact same thing. And that's how the that's okay. how the airlines have gotten in the mess they've gotten in. They don't spend the money on maintenance yeah. at all. Oh, yeah. It's, it's and also the other thing too is that, that if you have a if you have a system, hardware and software, and you just want to make it work better and do a rewrite, it's very hard to get money to do that. Very mm -hmm. hard. You know, you'll never, you'll never get a, a, you'll never get money for a platform change, even when you need it. It's just very difficult. So you're right. This is not just a, a government or a public sector problem. It's a private sector problem too. They have, they have the same mindset too. That's one of the reasons I don't think that uh, necessarily pushing this stuff out to the private sector solves the problem. No, it doesn't. I think you're absolutely right about that. So, okay, oh, well, it's just well. another thing we can keep our eyes and ears open, and hopefully yeah. uh, we see something. Done, and I and, I'll, and again, Trump, he's the one who's pushing this a little bit. Not with the subways; he's doing it at the federal level, which is like the bridges and the trains, etc. Yeah, and the highways. And we'll, and what, highway, which is and a good highways. thing. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, okay, just a little quick plug here before we end the show. Uh, we uh, do have a questionnaire. If people want to ask questions for the Ask a Eunuch segment that we're going to have on January the sixth, then. You want to go to the following link. It is eunuch.bro.show, and you could spell eunuch the proper way, uh, E-U-N-U-C-H, or you can you can spell it U-N-I-K if you like. So one way or another, well, go there. And if you have a question, a relationship question, or if you've undergone chemical or physical castration in the course of treating uh, a disease or you know, a bad fishing accident or whatever, uh, <laughs> you can ask those hey, kind I, of questions too. It, we'll have a doctor you, on, on board. Could you impress upon everybody the fact that their names will be kept confidential, that this is all confidential? That uh, Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Okay, I think that's important. Yeah. No, yeah, no. Yeah, you don't you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You will have to give your email address in order to post a question because we don't want to get like you know, a bunch of shithead questions. <laughs> <laughs> Which we're probably gonna get anyway. We'll see how this goes. Think, this is yeah. an experiment. This is an experiment. We'll see how this goes. We don't know. Oh, dear. And another Life thing is an experiment. Oh, boy. It is. And if you need a t shirt, you know where to get those too. Shirt 
dot bro dot show. Okay. Huh. All right. Okay, John. This has been okay, fun. Okay, on a good one. It's been a lot of fun. I'll be talking yeah. to you. All right. Bye. <laughs>